Hello and welcome to the Real Life Law Podcast. I'm your host, Legia Miller, a real-life lawyer on a mission to demystify the law and how it affects your everyday life. Every Monday and Friday, I live stream over on my YouTube channel, and then I convert that into a podcast for you, because I get that you're a busy person on the go. We cover pop culture and current events and the laws that shape your everyday life. So thank you so much for joining. If you find this podcast informational or entertaining, please consider giving it a review. Every review helps this podcast grow and is greatly appreciated. Now on with the content. This is for you if you don't know who the hell Tom Girardi and Erica Jane are. All right? You'll hear Moira snorting. You'll hear her chewing probably on her giant bone. You'll probably hear her snoring too. It's all part of the fun. Y'all won't stop asking me about the Tom Girardi and Erica Jane drama, so why don't we just talk about it already, okay? So, Tom Girardi is the husband of Erica Jane of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and it recently came out that he defrauded his law firm's clients of millions of dollars. He's a lawyer. What was Erica's involvement? What happens from here? Let's talk about it. If you're new here though, my name is Lija. I'm a real life lawyer on a mission to demystify the law and how it affects your everyday life. That being said, I may be a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer. Nothing that I say should ever be construed as legal advice. And you should always seek the advice of a licensed attorney before making any legal decisions, okay? I'll remind you that super chats and super stickers are enabled. However, I respect your time. So I'm gonna jump right into this and I'll take your questions at the end, okay? Let's get some backstory out of the way. Like I said, um, this is for people who have never heard of this case or need to get caught up on the latest details. If you've been pouring over every court filing in this case for the last year, I'm sorry, I don't know how much I'm gonna add to your life in this live stream, if I'm being real honest. But listen, I'm giving my take, I'm talk we're talking about it, we'll have a fun time either way. So let's get some backstory out of the way if you're like me and you've never watched Real Housewives. I know, I'm sorry. I don't mean to say that I'm above it, by any means. I just mean to say that there are so many offshoots of 90 Day Fiance that I need to get through that I simply don't have the time to also consume Real Housewives content. You know what I mean? So if you're coming in from the outside, this is a pretty freaking wild story, all right? So let's get into the players. Who are the players? Who are the main characters? We'll start with Tom Girardi, this guy, okay? Uh, he's this LA attorney, or former attorney, I should say, but we'll get into that. He was born June 3rd, 1939, making him an 82-year-old Gemini, which checks out. Two-faced, you know what I mean? Anyway, this is an old, older picture of him. Um, he does not be looking that good these days, but we'll get into that. He graduated from Loyola Law School in LA in 1964. So like, okay, this guy is ancient. In 1964, you could just walk in anywhere and be like, I'm a lawyer. And they'd be like, great, you're hired. Um, only if you were a man though, a white man. Anyway, he then went on to get his LLM at New York University. What's an LLM you say? It's a master's of law. I don't really know. I think it worked a little bit different back in the 60s, but now you do four years of undergrad, then you do three years of law school, and then you can add an additional one year LLM, a master's of law, which allows you to kind of specialize in on a certain niche area of law. It also allows you to get a more prestigious university on your resume. If you went to like a lower rated university and then you, or for your JD, and then you add an LLM from New York University like he did, it's gonna look good on your resume. So after he finishes his LLM, he returns to LA. He opens his own firm called Girardi and Keese. So he's this young guy, he's 26. He's got his own firm. He starts taking small cases to begin with, dog bites, slip and falls, individuals where it's a pretty straightforward case. 
Um, but from the start, he's representing victims. That's kind of his whole shtick. He is the, the voice of the little guy. He's here suing people on behalf of individuals who have been hurt. He's a personal injury attorney. That's what they do. Um, through those first cases, he begins to slowly gain a, gain a name for himself, and he takes on bigger and bigger cases until five years later in his legal career in 1970, he becomes the first trial attorney in California to win a $1 million plus damages award in a medical malpractice case. So, you know, he starts gaining this reputation for being this renowned trial attorney throughout the United States. Let's bring the, the pup cam back because she is just going to town on this bone. So I'm so sorry if you can hear all those grunts. All right. So he is winning these huge cases, um, gaining this name for himself nationally, and he starts to kind of amass a bit of a fortune. Um, so just as a background, the way that, especially cases where it's a victim without money to hire an attorney, the way these law firms set up their payment plans is via what's known as a contingency payment, um, which is where they say, look, you're not gonna pay us a thing. We're gonna represent you. You don't pay us anything. Um, and we'll take on your case. Uh, but the only way that we make money is if we win you money, either via a settlement or like a trial that ends in a damages award. Once we win that case for you, then we all win because we take a percentage. The lawyers take a percentage of the winnings. Um, it's typical for lawyers in this type of contingency fee arrangement to take anywhere between 25 and 40% of the winnings. I believe Girardi's firm took 40%. So if they win $1 million for a client, the client gets 600,000, the lawyer gets 400,000. Not bad. Um, you do have to remember though that these, these firms hire a solid amount of support staff um, and these cases, especially the more complicated ones where it becomes like a class action situation where there's multiple plaintiffs suing a big giant company, they take hours and hours and hours of attorney and staff time to complete, not to mention like hiring experts, which can cost tens of thousands of dollars. So like, yes, they won big settlements, but you have to consider like where those funds need to go and how far they had to go. So throughout his career, Girardi takes on some big names. He's like the David and Goliath guy. He represents these, these individuals or classes of individuals who are hurt by these big companies. He sues Lockheed Martin. He sues PG&E. Ever heard of the movie Aaron Brockovich? Yeah, he was that lawyer. That was him. He was the Aaron Brockovich attorney. Um, check out my reaction to Aaron Brockovich after this live stream. <laughs> anyway, he took on literally all of Hollywood's biggest film studios at some point. Like, you gotta stay hydrated. He was, he was, he was taking on the, the big guys and he was winning a lot. So he's taking in a lot of money. For example, in the Aaron Brockovich case against PG&E, he won something like $460 million for the people of Hinkley, California from PG&E for contaminating their drinking water and causing a lot of them to get sick. And a reminder that his firm pocketed 40% of that or like $184 million. Again, that money had to pay staff and attorney's fees and experts fees and stuff, but that's a lot of money. Certainly didn't cost 184 million. So he's making this money and through his connections and the name that he's making for himself as this kind of no bullshit trial attorney who wins big money and sticks up for the little guy, he starts gaining connections to the right people. He also starts buying connections to the right people. It's estimated that over the years, he donated over $7 million to political campaigns. He also allegedly had connections with like all the judges in California and they looked to him with like this kind of heightened level of respect. Like he had some 
influence over these judges in a way that was like not typical for a trial attorney. And part of that had to do with him using his influence to have a say in who got appointed as judges to begin with. Pretty convenient if you're a trial attorney and you're the one who got the judge on the bench, right? Anyway, so this goes on for decades and eventually he, he is estimated to be worth around $260 million, which is a pretty penny. And then he meets Erica. Oh, Erica, there she is. So, Erica, she's born in Atlanta, Georgia on July 10th, 1970, making her a cancer. Reminder that Tom is a Gemini born in 1939. Kind of a weird match, both astrologically and temporally, but I digress. She moved to New York City, the age of 18, to pursue her acting and singing dreams. And she appeared on a couple episodes of Law & Order. Um, she also met a DJ whom she married and had a child with at 21. But a few years later, she divorces him and takes her and her kid to LA because she wants to continue pursuing her acting and singing career. Then in 1998, at the age of 27, um, she's working as a cocktail restaurant at a restaurant called Chasson's, which is like, was this restaurant where all of the like rich and famous people of Hollywood would go to eat. So it's a kind of a good place to be if you want to make the right connections. But Tom Girardi, I believe owned the restaurant or was at least an investor. And she meets him via her work as a waitress there. And they get married in 2000, the year 2000 in LA. All right. So Tom continues to lawyer. Erica um, continues to raise her son and dream of being, you know, this big, oops, let me bring that pup cam. Yeah, you're welcome. She continues to dream of being this like big star. Um, and she does kind of start to make a name for herself in especially the U.S. dance club music charts. All right. In 2007, she starts dropping some singles and she uses Tom's money to kind of start making these like really flashy, uh, music videos and like highly produced dance music. She drops a couple singles in 2007 and then an album called Pretty Mess in 2009. She then goes on um, to drop more singles. Uh, in 2013, she dropped a smash hit called Get It Tonight featuring Flo Rida, which was like kind of peak Flo Rida time, 2013. So it's kind of impressive she got him to agree to do that. Um, and it's also a fun story is that in 2011, so, so Tom, Tom is like supporting her through this. Like she's not popular enough to be making enough money to be producing the type of content that she's producing. He's bankrolling it. And he's so deep in that in 2011, at the Italian American Law Association's Christmas party, Tom Girardi plays Erica Jane's latest music video for her song. The song was called Porn. <laughs> Can you imagine a room full of old Italian lawyers and it's just this young blonde woman dancing around in spandex on, on screen. People were displeased. It, it kind of, it, it, it made a stir, you know? All right, so this is what they're doing. But in 2016, she's unsatisfied with the amount of limelight she's getting. She signs up to be on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, sixth season. And uh, she quickly becomes a fan favorite or maybe an anti-hero, depending on who you talk to, uh, because she's sassy, she's fun, and she is ostentatious about her wealth. Um, it's rumored that she had like full hair and makeup teams coming over every day to help her get ready, like just for, for the day. 
um, and that her closet was packed to the brim with designer clothes, shoes, handbags. She has this mansion where she lives with Tom that's just this giant, sprawling, absurdly luxurious, luxurious place. I mean, you knew this chick had money. Uh, what's wild though, if you wanna pause here for a second, just let's just chat about this. I've turned off pup cam because Moira has left the building, though she's still snorting around somewhere. Um, what's wild though, like you can make good money as a personal injury attorney. I worked for one, he had a nice house, he was doing fine. Um, he didn't take on the size of cases that Tom took on, so it's understandable that Tom would have like amassed a solid amount of money. Certainly to be a wealthy man isn't out of the question considering the size of the cases that he was taking on, like multiple class action lawsuits with huge amounts of money at stake. Um, that being said, however, Lawyers tend to not generally get this rich, at least not from lawyering alone. Maybe you could take the money you make as a lawyer, make some smart investments, maybe, but like, I don't know, the level of ostentatious wealth that I'm seeing exhibited here, this is like arms dealers level shit. It's weird that he managed to get this wealthy as a lawyer. I would imagine it might've raised some red flags for people who understand the economics of, of law firms. Something wasn't adding up. And it turns out that it's true. Something wasn't adding up for a reason. All right, so pop forward to November, 2020. Erica files for the divorce from Tom. It was a surprise, basically, to a lot of people. Early November, she requested spousal support. Tom fought against that, which is wild because like, especially when the income of one spouse is so much higher than the other ones, courts are generally going to award spousal support. They'll look at that, they'll look at the totality of the circumstances, who contributed what, et cetera, et cetera, but they'll usually award spousal support. So given that Tom looked at least like from the outside, like he was making all the money in the relationship, it was wild <clears throat> that they didn't enforce this uh, spousal support. But then we find out Tom doesn't actually have the money that he says he has. Yeah, you see, soon after the divorce was filed, a lawsuit was also filed against both Tom Girardi and Erica Jane by the families of the people who died on Lion Air Flight JT-610. You see, Tom Girardi represented those families in a class action lawsuit. He was their lawyer. Um, and it was against Lion Air, and he won them a ton of money. According to the lawsuit that was just filed in December, Tom Girardi, though, was not handing over the money that, that he was owed to these victims, and he instead pocketed it. And Erica Jane benefited from it and was a part of the whole scheme to defraud these, the victims, the family's victim, the victims' families. So you see, when lawyers take on lawsuits uh, like this, and they win millions of dollars for a group of people or even for a single person, the settlement money is then sent to the attorney usually made payable to the attorney and to the client. And then the lawyers are ethically and legally obligated to create a special trust account that they pay the funds into. This can't be commingled with other firm or personal funds. It can't be touched except for to pay for money actually earned by the firm. There are strict recording requirements. Uh, so money can't just like willy nilly come and go. Like it's a very serious thing because it's money that does not technically belong to the firm. They're acting as like a fiduciary. They owe the people whose money they're holding a fiduciary duty at this point. Um, <clears throat> so the 
the, the people or the firm then is in charge of paying out the money to the victims. So once the money is put in the trust account, the check clears, the attorney pays off any expenses, takes their percent of the cut, 40% in this case, they then pay out the rest of the clients, either as a lump sum, so like just one big chunk, or in installments. And installments are a smart option, especially if you're like an individual victim, you don't like have a financial advisor or a money manager. It could be like millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like it makes sense to be like, you handle it, just pay me out monthly. Um, and they are the lawyer, the attorney, the firm that holds the money is required to like smartly invest it. So it should accrue some type of interest. And then the client just receives monthly payouts. That's how it should work. But the lawsuit, the Lion Air lawsuit filed against Tom Girardi claims that the Lion Air families hadn't received their money. And the lawsuit claims that, um, and I quote, while Erica publicly filed for divorce this month on information and belief that divorce is simply a sham attempt to fraudulently protect Tom and Erica's money from those that seek to collect on debts owed by Tom and his law firm. Because you see in California, the divorce laws are like pretty stark. Basically, Anything that Tom earned while they were married, so since 2000 for two decades, would be considered community property and um, it would be divided 50-50 between the couple in the event of a divorce. So if Erica gets 50% of Tom's money and can show, can say that she had nothing to do with the fraud, she's not implicated in it, then they potentially wouldn't be able to touch that money. All right, and then in that same month, December 2020, Girardi and Keyes, Tom's law firm, files for bankruptcy because they had a lot of creditors because they took out a lot of debt to stay afloat and then they couldn't pay the creditors back. And that's how bankruptcy happens. I'm no bankruptcy law expert, but it's bad if you owe a lot of debt and you can't pay it back. All right. And in that same month, December, 2020, Tom's partners. So like Keese of Girardi and Keese and other partners also sue Tom, alleging that he owed them income from their partnership that he had kept for himself. Yikes. Okay. So this was really shocking. This all came out in the span of like one month, the divorce, the lawsuits. Um, and given how publicly wealthy this company had seemed, or the, the, I'm sorry, the couple had seemed to find out that this firm just very suddenly was going under and that he was getting sued after he had made this name for himself as this like legal Titan and had so much power and influence, you know, how the mighty have fallen. You know what I mean? It was a shock. But then it gets worse somehow in February, 2021. So the next month, Tom's brother is granted a conservatorship over Tom. Yeah. Like the Britney Spears thing, a conservatorship. Uh, he told the court, his brother told the court that Tom's health had deteriorated and that he was often disoriented. And once you request a conservatorship, that person needs to be mentally evaluated so that the court can determine whether or not a conservatorship is appropriate. So Tom's evaluated and he's diagnosed with late onset Alzheimer's and dementia, which you know what? <clears throat> Maybe it's true. Maybe that's true, but it is awfully convenient timing to lose all your memory. You know what I mean? But look, the guy's 82, who knows? It's very possible. It's a plausible explanation. Though allegedly the fraud had been going on for decades at this point, so. But that doesn't mean that he wouldn't be found to not be able to stand trial because of his current mental incompetence. So you know there are there are there are implications to him being 
declared to have late onset Alzheimer's and dementia. Wow, she is going to town on this bone. I'm so sorry if you can hear her gross mouth sounds. Um, all right, then in June of this past, this year, 2021, so this past June, it's currently what, September? So a couple months ago. Um, more info comes out during this bank, Moira, more info comes out during this bankruptcy proceeding that shows that Erica Jane, she has a bunch of businesses. You know, if you're like a personality, whatever, you have an LLC, you have your businesses that own your property, your assets, your IP, like your trademarks and stuff, your, maybe your music, whatever. You've got your own separate company that does that. So according to bankruptcy proceedings, uh, the documents that are coming out during this proceeding, it shows that Erica Jane's businesses were owed something like 20, $25 million by Tom Girardi's law firm meaning that the law firm loaned money to these businesses for what? Her music, her lifestyle, her personal branding? Like there's not really a plausible explanation, at least that I can think of, why a law firm would loan money to a pop star who was not a client. It also implicates her in the finances of the firm, indicating that she maybe was far more involved than she claims to have been, because she claims no knowledge, no involvement. And this is important because if she did participate in the fraud, the embezzlement of these funds from all these victims. She knew that Tom was embezzling money. She benefited from it. She helped further the fraud. Um, she could be found liable as well. It could implicate her because again, what plausible explanation could a law firm have for sending $20 million to a pop star? It remains to be seen. That same month, we're still in June, uh, a family with the last name of Rio, Rui Gomez, um, they were granted permission by the court. Again, this is a bankruptcy proceeding. A lot of dirt comes up in bankruptcy proceedings because you have to find every person that this firm owes money to and try to get their money back. And if someone is like, oh wait, that firm owes me money and they haven't paid me, they can come forward and make a claim against this bankrupted company. So that's what's happening. So the Rui Gomez family comes forward granting, seeking permission from the court to seek collection of the money owed to them, including from Erica Jane. And the court granted permission because the Rui Gomez family, they were represented also by Tom Girardi in another lawsuit that he brought against PG&E for a gas explosion that caused severe damage to property. People died. It was awful. And he won the family a ton of money. But then he just stopped paying them again, which appears to have been par for the course for years at this firm. Like numerous clients have reported that they didn't receive payouts for their settlements. And here's my thing, like, so I've worked both at a small personal injury firm and at a large, like full service giant law firm. And like, okay, I don't know how to say this nicely or in a way that doesn't sound kind of problematic, but I have a hard time believing that a partner that old could act alone in embezzling the funds, all right? I worked with partners who didn't know how to use the basic software to review documents. I worked with one opposing counsel who didn't know how to look up a case. All right. And the way some partners I work with asked me to do legal research, it was kind of clear that they didn't know the mechanics of how to do it. Because if you started your law career in 1964, you weren't using the internet to do anything. So you rely on people at the bottom of the rungs to do that type of work for you. So I have a really hard time believing that he acted alone. You know what I mean? Like how in the Sam Hill is an 80 year old gonna figure out the tech necessary to take funds out of the company, company's coffers 
without help. So also, there's no way in hell that he was the one answering the phones at Girardi and Keese when it was still up and running. Like there were at least low level people at the firm who were absolutely getting calls from clients being like, hey, where's my money? What I'm saying is that there's like no way that people didn't know that this was happening throughout the firm. I have a hard time believing that at least. And it sounds like Tom did the actual embezzling crime, yes, but I am curious as to the liability that any of his partners might face. I don't know if they looked the other way, if they knew something, if they aided, if they, if you can consider them aiding by looking the other way, I don't know. But they sued him, so clearly they consider themselves the victim in this scheme as well. Um, and if there's no clear evidence that he was assisted or worked with his partners to do the embezzling, I'd imagine they'd probably be off the hook and any person beneath him that assisted in any way probably would also be off the hook because, you know, it could be seen that he like influenced them to do it. He was the head person. He was the one that actually, you know, told them to do the things. So I'm a little fuzzy on that. I'm a little fuzzy on how all of his partners are getting off because the way I, at least I've seen law firms work is that like no one's really acting alone and the older partners don't know how to use computers properly. Not all of them, but some, all right? It's just my experience. Anyway, then in August, I'm so sorry, Moira is probably being just the cutest distraction right now, but she loves her giant phone. Mm. Anyway, then in August, Tom is placed in a senior living facility specifically for memory care. He's not looking good, all right? This is a paparazzi photo. Maybe it was like edited a little bit. I don't always trust paparazzi photos, but like he's not doing well, all right? And this week, the drama, there's always drama. There's like new drama every week. There's always like talking heads making a whole to-do full video commentary about every tiny little development. But this week, the drama is that he was seen leaving a restaurant and there were some paparazzi there. And one of them asked basically if, if he thought that Erica knew about the fraud and about the money. And it seemed like his friend was trying to stop him from saying anything, but before his friend could stop him, he was like, I think she knew. As drama, you know, that's the latest headline that people are clinging to because it feels like the walls are starting to close in for Erica, despite the fact that she is continuing to claim she had no idea she, well, what's interesting is that Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, new episodes are coming out with her on them. They were filmed back when this was all unfolding in December and November and, and beyond that. And, um, and she's saying things like, I just, I had no clue. I didn't know we had like $80 million in cash lying around like he claimed we did in, in a deposition. I didn't know that my, my businesses were loaned money. I had no clue, you know? Which a lot of people are calling out as suspicious. I don't know, all right? So it feels like the walls are closing in on Erica and like he's fully broke, he has said. She moved out of their mansion and I believe is living in like a rental and she has recently been spotted pumping her own gas. Very dramatic. And like, I'm not be trying to be vindictive but I do enjoy watching people who at one point thought they were too good to do something to have to then do that thing. You know what I mean? Like celebrities, they're just like us. Okay, but listen, if, if Erica truly didn't know what was going on, then I can totally feel for her. Like this would be incredibly devastating. And I have no doubt that she probably is close to a nervous breakdown, like she claims. This is rough, this is a lot of drama. 
And I honestly have no clue if she knew or not. That would be speculative at this point. It's a conclusion a court is gonna have to make by looking at all of the evidence, which we have not seen all of yet because all of these cases are ongoing. So for the Lion Air lawsuit, the original one back in December that the victims, families of the Lion Air flight, the one that they filed, I linked that case docket down below. It's over on a website called Court Listener, which is a great resource for any high profile case you might be following. You can go there, you can see the docket, which lists everything that's going on with the case and has a links to some of the documents. Um, and if you go to that link for the Lion Air case, you see, you'll see it's like a lot of back and forth and like motions practice, meaning the parties are, are, are filing a bunch of motions left and right to get things dismissed or to challenge parts of things or challenge whether someone should be deposed, et cetera, et cetera. But the court did stay the proceedings as to Girardi because this is a class action lawsuit brought against a bunch of people, not just Girardi. Tom Girardi and Erica Jane, but they're in there as well. And the court stayed that case pending the Girardi and Keys bankruptcy proceeding to pan out because in the midst of a bankruptcy proceeding, you don't really know like the finances of like the person being sued. So you don't really know like what can even be awarded or like what's going on with that. So a lot of times they'll stay proceedings pending a bankruptcy outcome so that they can then move forward. So that's what has happened with that case. So at this point, we haven't seen any response from Girardi or Erica Jane in the Lion Air case. Um, and the bankruptcy proceedings are also still ongoing and very messy. I will say, as for any criminal indictment, a reminder that all these cases are civil and would result in monetary penalties, but not jail time. There have been no criminal charges formally brought against Tom Girardi or Erica Jane, but Given how high profile and extensive it appears that this fraud has been, it is very possible that they're currently under investigation by the feds. So like the feds do a lot of background investigatory work to make sure that they have viable claims before then bringing criminal indictments against people. So I'd imagine that the feds, the US Attorney's Office, probably in California, are watching them gathering evidence, whatever they can with whatever probable cause they have to potentially maybe bring criminal charges against Tom Girardi and maybe also Erica. Which then begs the question, what crimes could Tom Girardi and Erica face if they were to be hit with criminal charges based on alleged information? A reminder that this is all speculative. This has not happened. I'm just guessing, taking an educated guess based on some basic background knowledge and some alleged information that has been shared. Likely the charges would be federal as opposed to like state criminal charges because it appears that he allegedly had many victims throughout the country. So when it crosses state lines like that, a lot of times the feds become involved um, because like states are not great at, at coordinating their efforts in these situations and uh, it's easier when the feds get involved, especially when it crosses state lines like this. I'd imagine that they would probably bring wire fraud charges, maybe securities fraud charges, but I don't know if, if that would be a viable claim. Certainly wire fraud charges. So wire fraud, it allows the feds to get fraudsters by charging them for every time they use wire communications in furtherance of their fraudulent scheme. What's a wire communication? The internet, an email, a wire transfer of money. So if he used a bank website to take out funds or transferred funds or emailed victims to be like, yeah, I have your money, I promise it's coming, while then 
pocketing the money, that would all be used in furtherance of the fraud. And the feds can charge him for each individual time he did that, like each email sent, each money transfer. So those counts can really add up, you know? And then with securities fraud, this one's a little more iffy. I don't know, this is where you would use, if you used securities like the stock market, you know, to further a fraud. So if the clients that he embezzled money from, if their money was in the stock market, maybe, I'm not, I'm not really sure how that would work. But honestly, I think they'd go for wire fraud based on the alleged facts of this case. And the fines can be up to $250,000 per count. So that's per email sent plus restitution for the victims, and he could face up to 20 years in prison. Reminder that he's 82 and he's not looking good. So Lord knows if he'll even be around long enough for them to federally prosecute him, honestly. For Erica, if it is true that she knew, the feds could, if the feds could come up with evidence that she knew, they could charge her also with wire fraud if she also used the internet or email or whatever to further the fraud, like if she did the wire transfer or sent the emails to the victims, which seems less likely, more likely she would probably be charged, maybe, maybe, allegedly, who knows, be charged with maybe conspiracy if it can be shown that she participated by aiding Tom in furtherance of the fraud. If it is found that she was Tom's co-conspirator and she's found guilty, she would face the same penalties, up to $250,000 per count in fines and up to 20 years in prison. Now that's a huge range though. Like the judge could also give them zero prison time. And it's gonna depend on a number of factors like the egregiousness of the crime and Tom and Erica's prior criminal record, if any. And I would doubt that Erica would be sentenced the same length as Tom, even if it is found that she knew about where the money was coming from and aided in the fraud scheme in some way. Um, that's getting way, way ahead of things. And it is purely speculation. Like I said, criminal charges have not been filed, but I'd be shocked if they weren't currently under investigation by some US attorney's office, probably in California. And that's it. That's the story, man. It's a lot and it's ongoing. So it's just like fodder for all this content. So there's like a million videos of commentary and talking heads coming out of Girardi and Erica Jane and what she knew and what she didn't know, which was why I was like a little reluctant to make this video because I was like, A, this is a quagmire. This is gonna take forever to research. But B, there are people who are so deep in that if you wanted some really deep legal analysis, it's already out there. But I figured this might be helpful for those of you who hadn't heard of this who didn't watch Real Housewives, like I don't, who maybe just are a little out of the loop on this story. I hope that this was helpful and, and you're now a little caught up um, with, with the story of Tom and Erica. So that, that's where we're at right now. Like the Tom might've just implicated Erica in knowing what was going on, though that doesn't mean that anything's gonna happen in a court of law. It was just a thing said to a paparazzi. And, um, yeah, we'll see where things go from here. Uh, if you have questions, now's your time to post them. I will see if I can answer them. Again, this is a legal quagmire. So who's, who's, who knows? A lot of this is speculative at this point. A reminder that super chats and super stickers are currently enabled. If you want to throw a little cash my way, it goes towards literally keeping these lights on. It's very appreciated. Um, also, this dump him shirt is available for purchase at my merch store. Just go to my channel and click on the store link. It is also linked down below if you want your own dump him t-shirt. There's also hoodies and mugs and all sorts of things over there. It was really fun to design and put together. So feel free to, to pop on over there. And then also a quick shout out to my Patreon supporters. Yes, I have a Patreon. I give you behind the scenes 
information, footage. We do our own private live streams. We did one last night. It was really fun. Um, we have a Discord channel, so we're chatting all the time. Like it's a really fun community. So consider joining us over on Patreon. And I owe some people some shout outs. First of all, a special additional shout out to Jessica Ranallo. I got your last name wrong last video. And I apologize for that. Thank you so much for your support. Additional thank yous to Michael Embry, Dustin Smith, Gavin Saprinsky, Vasu Venkata, and Callie Olivia Lynn. And thank you, especially to my multi-platinum patrons. As always, Brett Piontek and Anonymous, you know who you are. Thank you so, so much for your support. And uh, let's jump into some questions. Let me pull up, let me pull up your chats, see what we got going on here. Let's see. Oh, funny. So yes, there's, so there's this, there's a Tom, there's a Girardi building on the Loyola Law School campus. Yeah, probably. Do you go there? Cause I would probably petition that cause he's now literally been disbarred. So he is no longer a lawyer and maybe that's a little embarrassing to have. Thank you, Hank, for your super sticker. Very appreciated. Let's see. What would be the course of action if he were to pass away before he gets prosecuted? Uh, none. Like you can't criminally charge a dead person. The, the families of the victims or the victims themselves, whoever he owes him money could sue his estate because after death, you still have an estate. That being said though, it doesn't sound like he has any money anyway. So it might not be worth it to bring a civil lawsuit against his estate if his estate is non-existent, especially after this bankruptcy proceeding and everyone gets like a piece of him it's hard to say how much money there would be. So if he dies before any sort of criminal prosecution, the, the victims who lost all that money might not get any sort of payout. You know, it's kind of, it's, it would, might be a huge disappointment. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, so if he's found guilty, how would the victims get their money if his firm filed for bankruptcy and he claims all of his money is gone? That's a great question. He would slowly pay it off. He'd set up like a payment plan to start paying it off. But like you, if you owe people $300 million in restitution and you're an 82 year old man in prison, how much money are you earning, you know? Um, so yeah, it's very possible. There are, the federal government does have like a victim's fund which helps pay out restitution. I don't know if they would have enough or how it works in terms of how they dole that out when a guy owes people hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, that's unclear, but there is, a, there is a victim's fund that they could pull from. But otherwise, yeah, if he doesn't have any money to pay it, yeah, it's, it's rough. Yeah, if you die in the middle of court proceedings, the prosecutor has to dismiss the case. You can't, you can't criminally prosecute a dead person. It would be probably sad for the people who are alleging that he committed these crimes against them. Let's see. Also, yes, congrats. Congrats on graduating law school. That's so exciting. What a time to do so. Just reading your comments. 
I mean, okay. So is it possible to get financial records of these people? Yeah, that's what's happening with the, the, the bankruptcy proceeding because Erica Jane is now being implicated because her business got money from the law firm and people are claiming that she owes them money as part of this bankruptcy proceeding. That's what's kind of coming out. That's what's been a lot of the drama is there's been like court filings that have started to kind of slowly unravel this financial mess, but it is a mess. So it's still being unraveled. I mean, bankruptcy proceedings can go on forever so not forever a long time so it, it has yet to be seen exactly what's going to come out and what's owed to who and why you know yeah the law firm was shuttered early this year the building was up for sale back in like april no one else has been disbarred as far as i know like i said his partners are suing him for their own money that they claim that he owes them so they are claiming to be victims of his fraud as well. And like I said, I just have a really hard time believing that no one knew, but if they don't have any evidence of actual co-conspiracy, they just looked the other way, it might be harder to like bring any sort of claim against his partners. Thank you so, so much for your super chat. Um, so happy that you were able to hear, be here and I so appreciate the support. Did this happen? You know, I, I'm not I'm not saying I'm a full expert on everything that's going on because there's been so much back and forth over the course of like 10 months at this point. Um, if he did ask for spousal support at this point, it does make sense. And now that you say that, that sounds familiar. Like maybe I heard that. And it makes sense because at this point she is making more money than him because she's on Real Housewives and she gets paid a certain amount of money for that. And I mean, she still has her music single. She's probably making some money off, you know, Spotify streams. Um, so it would make sense for um, for them to then go to Erica and have him, her pay spousal support for him. Let's see. Dallas, I just got a notification. Thank you for joining me on Patreon. That's so exciting. Live and on air right now. It's happening. Thank you so much. Uh, yes, there is a full documentary over on Hulu about this that goes more into detail, talks more about like the drama, the personal side of things. Um, if you wanna watch it, head on over there, but this was at least will give you a primer on what's going on. Let's see. Well, okay, if he's under a conservatorship, people would sue him and then his conservator. And I couldn't find whether Tom Tom's brother is conservator of the person or conservator of his estate. I'm pretty sure he's conservator of his estate, meaning his money and finances and power of attorney and everything. They would sue him, but then the conservator would be the one that manages it. But it doesn't, being under a conservatorship doesn't like bar anyone from getting at your assets. It just makes someone else in charge of your assets, if you know what I mean. So who knows? This is all ongoing. It, there's a lot of questions about who knew, who knew what. It's a lot of he said, she said. Um, I am interested how, so there's, so there's, so there's like a um, privilege. So privilege is like protected communications and there's privilege between married people. Even if they're divorced, like the time when they were married, there's spousal privilege as to who can share what about what. 
So I am interested how that's gonna play into this. Um, again, we are like really early on in a lot of these cases, the Lion Air one, like they haven't even responded to the complaint yet, let alone is it going to trial anytime soon? Cause again, it's class action and those things are messy and take forever. So this is going to continue to unfold. I will try to keep you up to date. I do a lot of my updating over on my Twitter cause I like to retweet things. I like to just grab headlines or like screenshots of things and just pop them up on Twitter. Sometimes I'll put them on my Instagram. My handle is just at Legion Miller. So you could check me out there if you want to stay up to date. I'm also staying updated on the um, lawsuit against Prince Andrew um, brought by one of Epstein's victims. That's ongoing. Um, and the SB8 Texas abortion lawsuit. I'm keeping things up to date as much as I can over on my Twitter. So you can follow me there. Um, if you, if you're interested, I'll, I'll try my best, but it's, it's ongoing and it is, it's, it's a mess. So I'm going to end things here. Thank you so much for joining me for being a part of this, um, live stream. I hope you enjoyed the pup cam. Moira has left the building, so I'm sorry that she isn't here at the end, but I think that's a fun addition. It also explains all the noises that she makes so that you're less confused as to who is snoring and grunting in the background. So I hope you found that fun. Um, thank you again for joining. Um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys next time. I'll be back Monday. A reminder of my schedule, I'm going to be live streaming Mondays and Fridays. In the next week or two, I'm going to be bringing back edited videos. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. They're coming back. I love live streaming, but there's something special about edited videos. I'll be doing those. Um, <clears throat> those will be on Wednesdays. So Monday, Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time, we're live streaming. Wednesday mornings, we're doing edited videos starting in a couple weeks from now. And then this Saturday, that's tomorrow, I'm gonna be over on Twitch. Yeah, I made a Twitch channel and I'm gonna be live streaming me playing the lawyer career track as the Sim version of me on The Sims 4. Can you, can you dig it? I'm excited. I'm a big Sims nerd. Moira has joined us, so I'll see if she wants to say goodbye. Can I come up to you? Oh, it's in your mouth. Come here, baby. You wanna see the people? Oh my gosh, you're so heavy. Oh boy. Okay, she's entered the chat. Anyway, so join me over while I play The Sims on Twitch. Um, the link is on my most recent post. It's just twitch.tv slash Miller, real easy. Um, I'll be streaming there Saturdays, and then I'm hoping to also stream there Tuesday and Thursday nights. There will be a pup cam as well on those streams. Thank you so much, Molly, for the super sticker. I super appreciate it. And... Um, yeah, join me on Twitch. I'm super excited. It's like a fun new content thing where I just get to play The Sims. And um, I've been playing Sims since I was like 12 years old. So it's, <laughs> it's very exciting. So I hope you join me. And thank you so much for joining me today. So I will see you either tomorrow over on Twitch or Monday morning for another live stream. Okay. Love you guys. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Real Life Law Podcast. As a reminder, I stream live over on my YouTube every Monday and Friday at 9 a.m. Central, and then I turn it into podcast audio for you because I get that you're a busy person on the go. If you found this podcast informational or entertaining, please consider leaving a review. Every review helps this podcast grow and is greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for listening. Bye bye